search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome everyone to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 153. Uh, last episode, Nathan, we did a special case study episode, uh, emphasizing this one individual's climb, uh, 40,000 games in gold, or so his his Reddit post outlined. And what I wanted to kind of say here, guys, is that if you feel maybe now, sometime in the future, there is a content creator you follow, a streamer, you know, someone noteworthy who you might feel is overdue for a case study of their own. Maybe there's some bad narratives there that you feel need to be addressed, et cetera, et cetera. Let us know in the comments. Right, because a lot of you guys seem to like the niece one, the freak one, and this one. It might be worth potentially doing another one, given how much people loved that last episode. Mm. I think they're going to be a potentially rare rarity, mm. rarity, more rarer episodes. Yep, because yeah, I mean, I don't want this podcast to be like a you know a, a witch hunt type yeah. thing. You know, I mean? no. like a, like where it's it's it's. I mean, because we want, we need a really good example as well. Like at the end of the day, yes. No one's perfect on the riff, you know, even us, you know, but we're looking for someone that's consistently has more so that's right. what we would label toxic narratives or uh, matching the gameplay and what they say are two different things. Yeah. And, and we were saying before how on this podcast, we talk a lot about this kind of term narrative, but it's kind of good to kind of pair what the word is to the gameplay and how this manifests or how your gameplay can manifest in the narrative and kind of tying the gameplay and the words together. Um, so yeah, like you said, this is not a witch hunt podcast. They're educational. Just, so, cause remember guys, what we're doing with this podcast is we're trying to, there's lots of misconceptions about League of Legends skill level, like as demonstrated in our case study of the 40k gold player, how easy it is for these to be catch on. Because at the end of the day, League of Legends is a video game. Currently, video games aren't really viewed as a skill set that you develop. It's just like you're talented or you're not. That's what we're constantly addressing in this podcast. It's like, yeah. no, you can actually improve at the game with a process. Yeah. And, and really what we're trying to do here is help people... Uh, better their relationship with Solo Q and Absolutely. League of Legends overall. And by understanding how it works and, and understanding how these narratives can get created, that's going to, in turn, allow us to have a healthier relationship. It's going to have people who have more appreciation for the game. Yep. And we love the game of League of Legends. We hate to see the game. That's the thing that goes, we hate to see the most. When people yeah. disrespect the game because the game's so good. Yes, it obviously you know has its flaws, but... As we've talked about in the Proxon interview that we did, right, Proxon, we don't want a balanced game. We shouldn't have a balanced game. That's not going to be a fun game. We just moved on to the next game. So, you know, yeah. League of Legends is a very complicated game, but we need to understand you know, why we're winning and losing games. That's where review process comes into play. And yeah, appreciate the goddamn game because League of Legends is a damn good game, guys. And so, yes, if you have any recommendations, let us know. It doesn't need to be now, sometime potentially in the future. Something we might want to do again. All it's right, like we're gonna be doing every episode. No. You know? I think it'll be hard. Like, you know, I think they're they're relatively hard to find. They're right? hard to find. That's so right. consistently having these narratives, and then obviously the gameplay says something different. So um, we're gonna start with this this article that Riot put out. What's next for ranked? Very important. This is a solo queue podcast. We're gonna be talking about changes to solo queue that are happening. So you know what really jumped out to me about this article from Riot. It's actually the in introduction rather than the meat of the article itself, okay? So we're going to dive straight in here. 
I'm going to read out the start. Earlier in the season, during 13.4, we made it easier to move both up and down in rank so that your ranked journey is more eventful, right? They altered the LP changes. We gain a lot more and we lose a lot more. We accomplished this, but with a few side effects that we're evaluating. Increasing the LP variance shortened the initial journey to your rank, where you can start to experience LP losses that are greater than LP wins if your MMR isn't near the level of the rank you're trying to climb to. This is a really bad experience we want to address, but it does serve an important purpose, preventing rank inflation and maintaining ladder integrity. Okay, now I'll come back to this. I want to go to the second paragraph here because I think this tied together beautifully. But Riot, you say, the ladder is inflated. It is accurate that there are more players in high ranks, but important to note that we didn't change the MMR requirements to sustain those ranks between 22 and 2023. With the faster LP progression, players are reaching places they would end up anyway over time just more quickly. That said, the original design of Master Plus didn't account for such a high population, and it's been steadily increasing over the years. There's probably improvement to make in the progression experience when the next milestone for a Master Player is Grandmaster at 800 LP away. And it's important to note that at this level of play, it is perceived prestigious. At the end of the day, though, if you're in the top 0.5% of really anything of what people do, you are really good at it. Now, what I love about this, and this really, to me highlights what I think the league community fundamentally can't wrap their head around, which is short-term versus long-term thinking. Time and time again, you hear people say this about, you know, rank inflation, um, so on and so forth. Shit about like people getting ranks that they shouldn't get. At the end of the day, yes, you're absolutely spot on. And even they say it is in a way inflated. Yes, there are more people in master than they probably anticipated. It's probably a little, yes, there is an element of that, right? But at the same time, you've got to remember is that anyone can peak a rank. The true test of one skill and true rank isn't the rank that they peak. It's the rank that they sustain. The, the system isn't designed to be accurate over a small sample size of games. So nowadays, especially with the LP fluctuate, like the high LP changes, you make a new account with, with really good quality MMR, you get you play a meta champ, you get a bit lucky, whatever, you can seriously inflate your rank. But that will not last if you're playing hundreds of rank games on that account. And this is fundamentally what pisses me off sometimes about the league community, is that they don't understand the long-term versus short-term thinking. They look at a rank that they get, this shiny rank that these people get for one one or two weeks, and then you never hear about it again. It's like, oh yeah, I got trolls, my MMR's ruined, blah, blah, blah. No, what that is, the system adjusting and putting you at the rank that you need to be. And what people do as well, this actually hurts, affects people's journey a lot. They peak a rank, they think they're that level of player, then now suddenly they have a huge ego and then we're looking at their gameplay and then they actually do... I mean, again, the rank system, we believe, and we've seen it sometimes. It's time incredibly time accurate. We've never seen someone that doesn't deserve their rank over a long period of time. And that that screws with people, like, a lot. That actually really affects people's journey. Yeah, and especially when you've got a friend in your friendship group that is, quote-unquote, buying it, get, got a high MMR account and getting to a higher rank, you're like, oh... You know, that guy, he's done that. I should do that. And then you get stuck in that rabbit hole of buying new accounts, really fussing over your MMR, rather than genuinely getting better at the game. Because remember, that entire time where you're making that new account, 
you're playing in a lower elo bracket as you're as you're kind of ranking it up you're not getting any learning you're only learning when you're playing versus quality of opponents that are as similar to your level so you know what i'm really glad as love this is like that the, the, they're aware of this they're aware that yes there is an element of inflation in a way and maybe they didn't anticipate how many people would be master but you know they are aware that the whole goal of this is for people to get to the rank that they should be faster but also drop faster the system actually in my opinion calibrates really well if you just goddamn play the game on one account, it shits itself when you're playing across five, 15 accounts. Mm. So there's something I just want to highlight that I thought was interesting. I mean, this, this, that whole paragraph there where it says, but mm. riot, and then the yeah. end. This is such a, a human, like, they get it, dude. They get it. This is very good. I'm, I'm very impressed by this paragraph. Yeah, just the way they've worded it and the language they're using. They're, they're aware. They're switched on. They're, they know what's going on. When have we ever... Heard, like, What game interacts like this with their community and actually uses the language and listens to their community like... Again, we are the quote unquote Riot fanboys, right? I but love fuck Riot me. I, I'm I, just a, love I am a fanboy. I, you know, Riot's the Messiah, honestly. <laughs> um, anyway, what's happening next here? Um, so they're, doing, they're basically doing, a, 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 I think, like a, a small reset, right? They're not doing a hard reset, like a soft reset. Historically, League has had a very bottom heavy distribution of rankings. Setting aside Iron at the bottom and Diamond Plus at the top, most other competitive rank games have the equivalent of Bronze, Silver, Gold, and Platinum roughly similar in size. That means that Bronze and Silver... Uh, this means that Bronze and Silver represent below average or average, while Gold and Platinum represent average and very good players, respectively. However, our ranks have been typically biased low, with more than 60% of players typically in Silver and Bronze. Currently in League, many Silver players are actually above average in skill, while, while Gold players are significantly above average. Which, to be honest, matches up perfectly what, we, what we've seen in our below coaching, gold, in yeah. our coaching, right? Mm. Like, a lot of the time, I'm impressed with some of the high, high Silver. Mm. You can be playing pretty solid League of Legends, mm. in my opinion. They have a pretty good understanding of the game. It's definitely wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be calling like a beginner. No. Which, which is what you would view as like bronze, silver ranks. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, you can think of it like this. Compared to most games with similar ranking systems, we label a significant portion of players one tier lower. We're changing that in split two, and distributions are going to move to a more even percent percentage split, centering around gold. With this change, ranks should better match the meaning you've come to expect, expect elsewhere, and many players will see their rank be higher than before. That's the story for the main ranks, but what about diamond and above? It's important to us that the highest ranks retain the exclusivity and prestige they've historically had, so we're not changing anything about how those ranks are distributed. That said, flattening the curve without compensating somehow would result in significant inflation in Diamond. In order to mitigate this, we're adding a new rank, Emerald, which you may recognize from League of Legends Wild Rift. And so Emerald is going to be between Diamond and Platinum and represents a, a similar uh, percentage of players as Platinum does today. And there's a little graphic here. I showing think this graph is really important. Like, yeah. this is showing what the distribution right are looking at. So obviously this is a podcast. And if you're listening on Spotify, we'll have the, the thing pop up on the screen, but mm. it'll be linked in the article as well in the YouTube comments. But this is very important. This mm. is what the, the distribution that they want. And this makes way more it sense. Makes way more sense when you think about it. They had because, to put a new tier in here. Because I love what they're, what they're aiming for here, because then you kind of know gold is the middle in a way, isn't it? Right? Right? It's like the, the top, that's like the split here. But currently, silver is in the middle. That's the most, yeah, that's interesting. Because it means gold, you're definitely an advanced player, which wouldn't really make sense intuitively with how many ranks there are, right? 
What I also get from this graph as well, there's going to be less diamond players, and then that's when mm. they're going to be more into the emerald, which that's I think right. is, good. is really good as well. Because the gap as well, like I think, yeah, diamond and stuff, that needs to be spread out more. Like the dis- difference Agreed. between a platinum one D4 and a D1 player is, is very, Huge. very big Huge. in terms of fundamentals and consistency. D2 and even D4. Yes, in my opinion, it's pretty. I mean, like, like, like D two that D is like a pretty big gap there. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I like that. Um, so now that we're clear on the philosophy shift, how we are going to be resetting ranks? Yeah, so they're basically doing a partial reset. Um, then, then basically they're lowering placement games from ten to five. They're also removing promotion series. That's the, all that we really The promotion series, this is... I want to touch on this one, okay. Curtis. Removing pro, promotion series in general. So pe- people might get all get excited about this because you know how obviously you have the promotion anxiety and that sort of stuff. Like, remember how League of Legends used to be, Curtis? And the chess system, right? Mm-hmm. That's where League of Legends is based off. The MMR chess ELO system, mm-hmm. right? Promos obviously doesn't exist in that. Right? Only like put in promos. I think they initially put in because they want to like... Want to make it an event of the competition or the event, but well, I think that's what they say here. I think when they when they had promotions, um, it was here. Series were meant to add drama and stakes to these important moments in your league career. I don't think that's necessary at all. Like, mm. I think that the way it should be is exactly yeah, like chess. Like, you're you're just you're just fluctuating all the time. You know, like like right. always, like you just you got the number. You're the number. Like, because remember, at the end of the day, guys, the the ranks are like a showroom. It really, it, you know how people get all, oh, it's like, I'm a gold player, I'm a platinum mm. player. It's like, the way that I sort of might be viewed, it's like, okay, well, like, let's say gold on average is like, you know, the 1500 MMR, you know, player or like, you mm. know, eight, like the, the num- numbers just, I like the numbers better or I think more like Because you can see this players. very specific yeah. where you're at. But the, the, by right implementing this, it's more of like a package it's like a shiny, thing, shiny, sexy facade. But it really doesn't mean anything. Mm. Like, if you really think about it, like, mm. you know, even, I mean, obviously, you know, when you get to the higher ranks, like, you know, then it's, you know, your challenge is a big difference between, you know, 800 LP and like 1.5K LP, right. right? You could say you're challenged, but no, you're not. Like, mm. you know, there's a huge difference there still. So, yeah, I think this makes so much sense. And it, it, I never understood promo series. I, mm. I genuinely disliked this for the game. Mm. I think this is a fantastic change. Because it just should be. It's like, I'm just, you know, bouncing up well, and down. It, it's just about LP. And- it fits our whole dojo narrative, right? Where it's all about every game is the same. Yes. You know, nothing special. Every game is just a game of League of Legends. And you need to be trying on every game, no matter what. Like, it ties in with that. But I'm going to bounce back on you on this little here. Okay. Like, I, I actually think the majority of the community is going to agree with your sentiment. I know something about it. I, I, I've, like, I just think back to my time. because I haven't really experienced promos as an event since a long time season three right i really haven't even experienced the promos i think since season three it hasn't crossed my mind but i remember very fondly about like back then um when i got diamond for the first time and and promos and and stuff like that it was cool i personally i really enjoyed it and it was something like you talk about i'm in my promos it was like a back then i Speaking from personal experience, I personally enjoyed it. So I, again, that's just my personal take. I know now with the way the game is evolving, and maybe I wouldn't not like it now if I was in that situation because it would add more nerves and stuff. But at least for me, when I did it, because we're very detached with promos, Nathan. We don't really understand promos, like because we're always in Master Plus, so there's never a promos. It's just like you know, imagine if every hundred LP there was a promos to get you to two hundred. The next, you know. 
100 percentile, whatever, you know, like 100 to 200. There's another promo to unlock that or something. Maybe then we would experience it, but we don't experience promo. So it's hard for us to comment on that. But um, yeah, my personal mistake, I, I kind of like them. Yeah, but I, I, it's, an, it's an emotional attachment. It's not. It's not logical whatsoever. Because you just remember that. I just that have time. very fond feelings about promotions. The other thing as well is because I think that the promotions really ruins MMR a little bit. It like, can. It it's hard to manage. It's weird. Like yeah. you know, you know that hack that that the Diamond One players did. They duoed and they instantly they, they constantly entered their promos, but yeah. one all that and then inflated their MMR. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like promos in terms of yeah, the system with MMR and promos, I think it generally just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yep. Because somehow I'm still that rank, but I'm I might have platinum in my gold. And thank God we, we, it's going to simplify promos. our programs working with clients as Absolutely. well. It's like, oh, I'm in my promos. What do I do? And yeah. now it's like there is no promos. So that's good. But overall, Nathan, with all these, the way they're changing this rank, what are your thoughts on the, adding the whole emerald rank? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Like I mean, spreading it out a there's little bit. A, I mean, just this graph just says it all. This is what it should look like. And mm. right now, the current is actually dysfunctional. It mm. makes no sense. And this yeah. is, it's just really interesting to see the way that the player base is evolving, how people, a lot of people will, uh, um, is it, I mean, looking at the split one, I mean, getting better. I mean, yeah, they're getting better because silver ones, it's like clearly very hard to get to gold. Mm. It's starting mm. to come out. So they're spreading it out more and just showing that p- the player base is getting much and much better. What I want to um, talk about for a second, Nathan, from a feeling perspective about the ranks, I don't like how the apex tiers work right now i don't like the master grandmaster challenger system yeah I I, it doesn't make that, sense yeah. to me yeah. it, it really doesn't because there are more master players now than there used to be right that, did that episode on the breaking down the stats the inflation and brian mentioned it here right. as well that it's very so real a lot of master a lot more players master now. players right yeah. but but what the rank system, the way I perceive a rank system should be in terms of the tiers, it should exemplify like big marginal differences in level of play. Right now, think about it. You go from zero LP master, and then you have to get a shit ton of LP to get to grandmaster. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot of LP. I feel like that gap makes no sense to me. There needs to be to another. Me. There needs to be another one in there somewhere. It needs to be like a master and then a something and then a grandmaster and then a challenger. Yeah. That gap between the bottom of like think about a, a you think about a 700 LP master player. And then, a, and then a fifty it, LP master player. Unfair to be categorized. It's so in unfair the same. to be in the same yeah, rank. I agree. So unfair. Yeah. And with what they're doing here with diamond and emerald, that's good. That makes sense, right? Where like now, a lot of those bottom diamond players might be potentially in emerald. I don't know. Maybe if you're D four, or I, I, I don't know. What I'm saying is that like, even even kind of now as it is, there's a pretty big discrepancy between D four and D one, right? That's pretty big. It's. If you're not, if you haven't experienced it, the, the the gap between like a like zero LP master and like seven hundred LP master is a different ball game completely. Um, I actually think there should be one around the three four hundred. To be honest, there yep, should be another one around perfect. three four hundred. Boom, put that in there, and then you have three four hundred to about seven hundred eight hundred. Boom, one in there. That would make so much more sense, and it would actually incentivize people probably to climb past master plus. That's right, because what people will think there is that it's just such a big stretch of grandmaster. Yeah. It's just, it's just so hard. It's just going to be possible. But yeah. given that little bit of achievement, yeah. even though we sort of contradict yourself saying that, yeah. like, you know, it's all a showroom, doesn't matter, but it's still, I think we'll package it up a bit more nicely for, you know, That's saying, right. and feel like more of an achievement. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm a master or maybe it's like advanced master player. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's There's like a cool thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve a rank. 
Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, there's, like, like, that's it. That's cool. It's a cool achievement, right? I mean, think about us back in the day, getting challenger. That was that's like a huge. That was a huge motivating factor for us to like mm. get high challenger and get us get a certain amount of LP, one K LP. You know, the one K LP club, whatever. So, yeah, I think that's my only criticism, really, with the ranks. Did you read the TLDR? Uh, that, the TLDR is the bottom here. Promotion series are gone. Resetting ranks. Five, five placement games. New rank, and then the rank curve flattened. Okay. Cool. Yep. So that's that for the article. Um, moving on to some of the other topics. Um, did you want to start with any of your topics? I'll jump into mine. Which way do you want to go about it? Let's go, Curtis. Let's dive headfirst okay. into yours. So one of my observations this week has been in my coaching, probably my biggest observations, actually two observations I want to talk about here today. Um, the first one is lack of curiosity and and addressing this uh, this root cause of lack of curiosity leading to poor quality reviews, okay? So, so essentially, I was doing a review this week. We're getting into the mid-game. I think he was playing... I can't remember who he was playing. He was in the side lane. He was top lane. We're in the mid-game. And team around Dragon, they kind of die around the Dragon on the other side of the map. He's all the way on the top side of the map. And he was frustrated already with kind of the way the game had panned out. And we get into it. And he's like, yep, Curtis, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I get it. Like, I, I understand that I probably messed up here. But I don't have the ability to actually like reconcile this in my review. Like I don't I can't I can't be curious enough to problem solve this. And this is in my opinion the biggest problem with people in like in terms of the biggest barrier to people climbing a league is actually the root cause is the lack of curiosity rather than their ability to solve the problem. My my take here is that most people if they were to just genuinely have an open mind, be genuinely curious, look at someone else's gameplay, in a macro scenario, they could sit there and nut it out. Absolutely. They could figure it out. Yep. Like they could look at their friend's gameplay and be like, hey man, you actually probably could have done that. You should have probably pinged there or you probably should have grouped. When it comes to their own gameplay, the biggest barrier is their lack of curiosity because they're so they're so, they're so pissed at their teammates that that causes like a little knot in their brain that prevents them. It's like little walls. It's little wall. Trenches. And as the game goes on, you can see he's getting frustrated, more frustrated. Every moment in the game that is negative builds up another wall and then another wall and then another wall. So when you get into the review, you've got to break through 17 walls just to be in the mindset to actually review. And this ties into one of our favorite to- uh, concepts or one of our philosophies is it's bet- you're better off starting with the idea that you are wrong or you were in the wrong and prove yourself right rather than you were right and prove yourself wrong. Right? Great tool. And this is it. This is honestly, I feel like the major problem. If, you, if you're plateaued, I'm going to say straight up say it. If you're plateaued at a rank for more than two months, I could nearly guarantee in some way, shape or form, you've got a lack of curiosity in your reviews. And that's preventing you from seeing what's, how you personally are contributing to your games. I'll re-clarify that saying, if you're uh, stuck in a rank for a couple of months and you're not aware and you're reviewing and you're reviewing and you're reviewing yep. and you don't know why then I'll say it's a lack of curiosity spot on yeah because I've been way. stuck for at certain ranks for a long time mm-hmm. and I'm very clear of right. what's going wrong 
It's missing but, the muscle memory. But I just need to keep chipping away and just building up that right. muscle memory. So I think there's a big difference in that. And I've uh, seen it with my point. clients as well, right? Like, um, you know, they review their games and say, Nathan, I keep making the same mistakes over again. And they're aware, they're clearly aware of why right. they're in that rank, but they're just going to get, get more reps in. And then, you know, maybe there's there's areas where they are sabotaging. Like they know they're losing the game for their 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 the team but then you get into problems where people lose confidence in themselves and then they just drop and stuff mm. so i think there's different type yeah. of players and stuff like that and and the reason this is so important is because when i'm doing my coaching sessions and this is even my this is just overall i feel like our duty as a coach is that we're not there to solve that problem we're there to get that person to to sorry to let that person um give that guys the skills to review on their own because we can't sit there over their shoulder, babysit them for every review. We can't sit there and be like, "Hey, man, you actually you were at fault here. You sh- you did that." Because that's just not this is not feasible. Yeah. That means you're doing one good quality review every three weeks. It's yeah. just it's ridiculous. I mean, that's just babysitting at that point. I always use the analogy of the teacher wants you to do the exercises on your own. And then, you know, you have the general like rules and like the, let's mm. say maths, right? Mm. You have like the, you know, these are the things you got a problem and you're not, you're confused with the problem. And then you go to the teacher and then the teacher will sort of like help you, but you've had to attempt it yourself. You know, you've had to attempt the review yourself. Mm. That's what we say. We love right. reviewing before. And otherwise, you know, you can't learn that way of like the teacher's just sitting there just doing all the answers for you. That's what it feels yeah. like sometimes. And I feel like expect. in my reviews, what I've realized back in the day, what I would do is I would get into that scenario. I would say, hey man, in this situation, you know, here's what you got to do. Here are the signs to make the decision. They're like, yep, yep, yep. But what I what I didn't realize at that time that they and why they wouldn't get results is because their underlying review process, because of that lack of curiosity, will never allow them to actually learn mid game macro properly. Mm. Right? That's actually the core. That is the root cause. Everything on top of that, those fake reviews, they're just band aids. They they're shitty little band aids. You got band aids plastered everywhere, but the root <laughs> cause it hasn't healed. Yeah. That's the. That's like again the stage four level problems at the bottom of the pyramid that we spoke about. Curiosity is our fa- one of our favorite words. It's yeah, actually, okay, I feel like it? the theme of this year of the BBC BBC is actually curiosity. Mm. It's actually very important. And the second major learning that I had this week, Nathan, that I'd like to share, I've got a rough framework that I'd like to share with you in terms of the ranks. Okay, this is my observation. I'd love to see if you, you have a similar take here. Let's hear it. What the equivalent for jungle would be. Yep. Gold four to P4 is, from a mid laners perspective, is a lot about you as an individual developing your champion mastery, pushing up your champion mastery, understanding a lot about what you want as well as um, your matchup. So in mid lane, what it is, is like you got to know a lot about your champ and you got to know a bit, a bit about the matchups and know about, okay, if I'm a Nivea main, I got to know a lot about a Nivea, my champ identity, everything I want, as well as, okay, a bit into the Nivea's Katarina, a bit into the Nivea Z, et cetera, et cetera, right? And where P4 to D4 starts, so that's where we, you need to start thinking about the game as a 2v2. Now, mid-jungle, a lot about now the mid-jungle, okay? We, I know the matchup, now I've got to really consider the mid-jungle and how the mid-jungle changes the way the game. So it's now slowly broadening out your view of the game. Not really about the 1v1 anymore. Champ mastery alone, without mastery over the 2v2, you're going to have a lot of inconsistency. You're going to really struggle to push. And then also starting at the top of Platinum, starting to slowly dabble in understanding win conditions and like, you know, just not a crazy advanced shit, but just like basic stuff, like who's strong, who's weak at a, at, a, at a rough level, right? D4 to master is now when you're starting to put the, at least in its current form, is now you're starting to think about comms holistically now. It's not just about me. It's not even just about my mid jungle 2v2s. Now it's about 
How are my decisions impacting the game holistically? How does it impact my bot lane? How does it impact my top lane? How does it impact my jungle? How are your decisions not only impacting you, what you want, but also everyone else? And then obviously Master Plus is just that on a on steroids. It's like, okay, if I... Um, a, a classic example I did with a Master Plus coaching session this morning was this, this Kiana player... Um, dove bot, but as a result, broke uh, they, the enemy where I would have break mid tower. And then we got into this complex discussion because he broke bot tower, they broke mid tower, but he was playing Kiana. Mm. So I'm like, well, this is actually kind of, I don't mind this because it opens up the map for you. Now you're able to get into the side lane and stuff. So getting into the real nitty gritty of like, what's good, wh like how does this decision impact the way the game is unfolding with everyone, given the comps, given the, you know, everyone. Um, that's kind of my rough framework. W what are your thoughts and how does that maybe, obviously it's different in jungle, but what have your observations been in terms of the ranks and, and what's um yeah how's that kind of work for you so the one that i'm battling a bit more here about is as a jungler for what you want up until platinum mm. four mm. i do have a story of chandler who joined my program as a gold four player and we did a couple of reviews and we only talked about how he was using his e as hecarim mm. that alone that focus just that one aspect mm. got him to gold one in platinum promos so that would be aligned with the way that you talk about mm. it in terms of really thinking about what you want. How do your playing fights champion mastery? Yep. But then I'm thinking, okay, well, then let's say my, some of my other clients that are playing a different type of, type of a, a champion that's not really as fight oriented. Let's say it's more Warwick and it's more like early game sort mm. of stuff or like an early game jungler where that's important. Well, then we're actually more tapping into maybe what the Hecarim player will be learning in platinum in gold. Mm. So you see what I'm saying? Right, because the Warwick can't just get fed by learning how to gank with an ability and then win and get to plat is what you're saying. They need to think... Yeah, of like they win fights just better. Like they play, can just play fights better with Warwick. Like you need right. to have a better understanding of how you can be a bit more aggressive or something like that. So okay. I think it sort of depends. I definitely still think... I mean, yeah, again, jungle's just a bit of a different yeah, role in that way because you do need to be playing you know, utilizing your teammates. Again, I don't, I don't really talk about this. Yeah, because this is what I'm really fascinated with jungle. Like, how deep do you go? Because obviously jungle's a role where, you know, there are certain junglers like an Eve or something where you can be very, very probably focused heavily on you, right? And like getting yourself strong and then you could, you might not need to be as aware of like maybe other things. I'm, I'm just spitballing here again. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do definitely, you can carry the game yourself, get right. fed. It's and then, and then you got points. like champs like Rek'Sai. Yeah. Where, or Zinzao or something, where you probably need to be more aware of laners and yeah. wave stays maybe a little bit more. My, my question is like, where do you, like, how deep do you go in terms of saying gold? How, if you're playing a jungler like that of like a Zinzao or something, how deep do you go in terms of thinking about lanes and what laners want? Like, when do you introduce that and how deep do you go? Yeah, I mean, I have to basically review those as like a... I would be reviewing them in like... Wow. Plus. Yeah, it's important, dude. Holy shit. Because if you miss some free kills because we're misreading mm. the lane, we need to learn that skill. Mm. And this is why I generally don't recommend those type of champions in below platinum. Right. And so, so for example, in God, let's say you've, you hypothetically had like a Zinzao client, you would cover like, okay, this mid matchup, that champ needs this. A great example is, I think I did literally a review. I think I can't remember if it was in Zao or not, but we learned about Silas, right? Mm. So 
Silas, even though the wave might be in a certain position for, let's say, it was Silas against an Anivia, right? Let's say Anivia looks like she's got a pretty big wave and she's able to get the wave and it looks like it. But Silas loves those situations. Mm. It's like a Aurelia where he can fight in a bit more bigger way because he wants to he, he wants them to be more closer so he can chase yep. him down, right? That's a bit more advanced mm. knowledge, but, wow. you know, where... So you're getting into the chance specifics of other champions. Yeah, well, we have you to. You have to kind of have to. Because then the game's just a different game because you could have just won the game there. Yeah, you know, you because I can't just say you ignore yeah, that no. play and then you're that just going to win matters. a fight as like a late game zins out. It doesn't work that way. A great example Crazy. again is uh, with the, I've talked about my example of Samuli, the mm. Nidalee player mm. who was being insulted for a year. Gold four, like there was progress, but the rank never progressed because. Mm. Um, and, and then he's missing went, one piece of the puzzle here and there. Just, that would yeah, just it. constantly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing when mm. when you're a newer player to the game, like. You know, to win games consistent with these champs, you got to have. I mean, you got to skirmish well, and you got to have really good jungle fundamentals. And then he picks up Wukong with clear reference points and gets a platinum in a couple of weeks, mm. right? It, 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 it's it's interesting, right? Because thinking about your jungle, like jungle situation, it might just be that, you know, even in gold, you might not, yeah, recommend champs like that need to think about the game holistically. Like, it, like what do you think it's better for a a jungler? who's in gold to learn the hard way and, and like get all that knowledge and then expand later? Or do you think it's better for someone to learn a more carry-oriented jungler so they don't need to get into the more lane specifics and then learn that later? Like what's your... If yeah, the if, latter, 100%. I've found interesting. it just destroys confidence too much. It's just, you're it's going so up and down. It's so much to learn in gold that yeah, way, the other much. way. It's, it's insane. I, generally, I mean, I, I don't know other coaches have had experience mm. with these type of champions, but I have not in my three years of Soul 2, I have not really made any progress with people playing wow. those early game champs in gold. Yeah, the only similarity I can say for, for mid is like TF. I don't recommend champs like LeBlanc, TF in, in gold for that yeah, very that's reason. That's the exact yeah. same thing because you need it's so many intricacies it. of the game and you need to be to consistent understand with those win, champs. You, need, you actually need to understand win conditions as a, as yeah. a Twisted Fate as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's just, again, it's just a testament to how much the champ you play influences your journey and what you're forced to learn. Absolutely fascinating. Um, do you want to dive into that clip? Yep, we got some couple of clips here. We'll do your clip first. All right, so I actually was watching an interview with Jeremy Strong because I've been finishing, finishing watching Succession. Um, and a little tidbit here, I thought it'd be interesting to share. We love getting par like drawing parallels between other industries. Um, so Nathan's going to pull that, this up now and then we'll kind of have a quick discussion about this one. I think that one of the main ways I'm different as an actor than the way I started was I have learned how to shake off a bad take. My whole existence as an actor is not defined by a good take or a bad take anymore yeah. and so i have gotten comfortable with okay that was terrible let's see let's let's learn something from it and try to find something else you know personally the permission to suck like the permission to to make a loud wrong to, choice to, 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 to sort of <laughs> fail yeah boldly and and find that thin ice to be on is sort of the best thing you can give yourself as an actor i think so much of that precision all right, so what we'd love to do on this podcast, Curtis, I love this clip. Mm. You mentioned this to me. I was like, oh, I can already tell this is going to be mm. great. You just like said a text. I didn't even see the clip. Because mm. um, what we always do with this podcast for long-time listeners is we always love to get people who are experts in other crafts and try and bring that to our journey in League of Legends. We talk a lot about developing tools and stuff. I mean, Curtis, we literally have, one of our mottos, we probably don't use it enough, is we embrace the suck. Mm. Where did that come from? Was that from um, David Goggins or something? I don't know. I think we came up with it Jogger ourselves. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, it's been so long since we've used it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's so it was so refreshing because I remember I was listening to that and I heard Embrace the Suck and I'm like, wow, that's exactly kind of what we kind of talk about. It, it, where you're gonna you got to have the confidence or the, I guess the belief or, or, or to, to kind of send it in a way. Have a crack. This is what, essentially what that is is the have a crack. That's kind of what we mean. More specifically, I like what Anne Hathaway said that mm. she said loudly make a mistake. Mm. So that's what pe- people like to make mistakes and hide, right? <laughs> yeah. Like let, let, let's say I see it a lot in my programs as well. They don't really show me the, the really bad games yeah. sometimes. They're, they're hiding. But if they loudly come through and say, Nathan, I lost the game here. You know, let's just confirm it. Bam, everyone in the review session gets yeah. to see it. Like there's a big difference yeah. I feel for that as well. So that's the key thing like that she said is that you loudly make mistakes. Yeah, I love that as well because there's a reason though for that in league, right? Because we're conditioned to hide away and shy away from mistakes because what happens in Solik? You make a mistake. You get flamed by your team. You get flamed by your team. That's what I love about, like, it's interesting. I was trying to visualize, uh, uh, you know, after I listened to this clip, on, imagine being on set everyone's there, the camera people, it's all, it's all, you know, lights, camera, action, you're ready to go. And then you just, you just fuck up. A like really you say, bad take, she says. You have a bad take. Like I can imagine the pain, like how, like, like she said that when she was earlier in her career, she couldn't really deal with that very well. But then she, as she got older and matured, she was able to just be, okay, that happened. I can learn from that. And then we can kind of move on, you know, get something different from it. And I couldn't visualize that in terms of just like, you know, how painful that experience must be because you're failing in front of everyone. And in league, it's the same thing. You can, you know, you go for that gank, you mess up that gank or you, you, you fail flash somewhere and that changes the fight. Like that's the reality. You it's ping, unavoidable. You ping a call. You know, we've talked a lot about in the Curtis's clips about pinging a call and mm. losing the game from that. People yeah. don't want to ping because they're afraid of getting flamed by their teammates. Mm. Loudly ping that, miss jungle track that time, call for that objective and lose the game from a loud failure. Very important. Yeah. And, and, um, I think it's a testament to if you want to achieve very high levels of mastery in any craft, you have to be willing to fail miserably. And you've got to have the confidence to fail miserably because that's how you find your limits. There is no other way of finding your limits rather than just failing miserably and losing a game. You have to understand that without doing that, you don't, you don't grow. You literally don't grow. And, you know, imagine you think of some of these these actors' performances. Imagine if they didn't push that limit. Imagine if they didn't get outside their They never get to that skill level. You wouldn't, you would, we wouldn't have those amazing, amazing magical moments on screen, nor we would have those amazing magical moments in our games. And that's what Pursuing Mastery is all about. A key thing I would imagine as well for, you know, these actors that might get success early on, everyone's hyping them up. Mm. You're so good. You're such a good up-and-coming actor it actually becomes way harder to loudly fail because it's your like, expectations are all yeah, your expectations. So what's the mm. common thing in League of Legends? You know, we climb a lot. We think we're awesome. We're it's special. just going to keep happening. We, we think we're special and then we're just fucking up, fucking up, fucking up and then we're just not realizing that and we just, because it, it just hurts our ego so much. You so. know what happens then? We're making a new account. We've got to get that MMR, right? You've got, you go. you got to get that prestige somehow. Got to show off again my nice win rates because I'm the up and coming talented individual i'm just good at league of legends the same parallels and everything this is what i love about this you never would have thought right acting another industry another whole pursuit of mastery that we've just unlocked we've uh we've covered a lot of things on this podcast have we curse we've got yeah. acting here we've we remember that we did the episode Alcoholics on, anonymous and we've done uh pottery remember the pottery episode <laughs> yeah we've got uh sushi making sushi yeah. the the perfection of craft f1 nfl nfl basketball 
we love exploring other crafts. Meth addicts. Yep, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> That's uh, for the BBC law. So All right, get, sweep that under the rug. Our next clip here is so again going back to what this podcast is about and what we love about solo improvement is um, building tools, having toolkits to deal with the the, the chaotic nature of the solo queue journey to make sure you know narratives aren't building up and all that jazz. So I guess we went from you know acting, which is a little bit different from what we do, but now we're going to jump into more so uh, a a bit more related to gaming is CS:GO. So. Um, Obviously, you're the CSGO here, Guy Curtis, but um, this is nothing, C9 nothing. So you play for the Cloud9 team, but really famous and stuff like that. Uh, really popular Counter-Strike player. And let's see what he has to say talking about, you know, potential toolkit that he built with his sports psychologist. But what happened was, is like, I would put on my headset and I would be unfocused because I would be thinking about everyone around me. And my point is to you, Mitch, to bring this big pro level thing back in because i think it's profound for the rest of life is i had to learn how to go into war zone war mode with my headset on so i had to create a trigger that was my trigger sports psychologist that i came up with when i put my headset on right before the match goes live i'm switching from glue guy and happy-go-lucky jordan to nothing and i gotta be in a different mode because what i realized is yeah i could be happy-go-lucky and i could drop 40 kills one game but the next game i might drop 12 kills and it might make me think too much and get out of my focus because i was thinking well i'm focusing on supporting or i'm doing this or i'm doing this and i've i've kind of extrapolated this out to life a little bit and what i realized was that i had to go into a different mode in which my mode and my mode had different things about it so like just in terms of in real life he's like a happy go lucky guy and, mm. and if you think about like a, a happy person and stuff like that when it comes to competitive and competing mm. like you've got to switch modes mm. like a little bit. So mm. what he came up with was uh, with his sports psychologist, what he called like the war mode and the, the physical act of putting on the headset for him allowed him to enter. It's like, okay, there's no more happy go lucky. Like I'm a real guy, like a really good friendly teammate. Like now it's like, we're getting to serious business here. Like I'm mm. going to, and he found that he was just thinking too much about his role in the team and teammates. He's just like, okay, I need to pull my weight, do my job here. Um, and yes, that's a really cool tool that I think. What do you think about that, Curtis, that he developed? Yeah, I, look, this is, I feel like we've, we're going to open a can of worms here, Nathan, because there's so much here I want to explore. And I'm really conflicted about this, okay? So I think for a professional, someone that is dedicating a lot of time and energy and focus into a given craft, Having this sort of a toolkit, I think is A+. I think it's amazing. And I think it's actually borderline essential. And, you know, we've actually, I've actually heard of Perez, you know, um, the F1 driver, when he keeps his helmet on, when, when the red flag happens and then he goes into the pit stops, he stays in the car. There was Signs or Perez, one of them, they stay in the car. Everyone jumps out. I think it was one of them, like they're all walking around and stuff. And then he's, he's like sitting there in the car, not talking. Like he's in, once he's in the car, he doesn't want to get out of the car. That's his, that's his, we puts that helmet on, puts that visor down. Like he's in his war mode, right? That's his headset. That's yeah. his headset, right? It, 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 so it's in other sports, but you know, I could see that massively and I can resonate. Where I am conflicted about this is that for the average person, who isn't really able to put that time and energy into their craft, what I fear is that they take themselves too seriously. Mm. And so what I found, and this is one of the dangers I, I think I fucked up with my content and even to a certain extent our earlier BBC episodes is that 
we push this 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 I guess motive of intensity, right? And you know, intention and, and intensity and giving it all on the rift. And what I feel that does, it's like a bit of a double-edged sword because at the same time, when you're giving your role at something and you're 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 really intense and you're really focused, the 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 expectations are higher and and there's more to lose in a way. And I feel like there's an element of like taking yourself too seriously and that you've added added pressure onto a situation where there doesn't need to be pressure. And in league, as we, you, you know, one of, one of the common criticisms of our philosophy is that, oh, what about X, Y, Z player that like caps who plays all, you know, fine chill, and chill yeah. and, and he wins. And, and there is an element of that. Actually, we had a, not a conversation, but someone sent me something, a message recently about how he takes himself too seriously. And because he's not having fun, he's not in that fun mindset, expressing his best self mindset, he's probably two or 300 LP lower than he would be if he was in that jovial mindset, right? And that's what I fear here for the average person. If you're not... You know I don't I mean? even know if it's about for the average person because right. if, if nothing was... We all have the conversation mm. with how did you initially get good at Counter-Strike? Mm. It would be he wouldn't have... He was just having fun, just having a crack. Like, mm. Maybe he hated losing like a lot. I think that's what in nature of competitive game is. But they're just you know having fun building that muscle memory plan. I think that would be for all of us. What I worry though is that if you're not fully committed to something, like you're not a professional, like you're not putting like a shit ton of hours into something, you're never really going to reach that level of competence that you're you're happy with. Like, how do you reconcile being average at like not being like really really good at something, but but taking yourself that seriously? Like, it's, how do you reconcile? It is a double because if you're it? really good at something, like nothing knows is really this is a professional, like this is job. Like, I feel like there's a different degree there. It's like. Yeah, I feel like there's something around that being your job. It allows you to like justify yourself taking it too seriously. But if you're like, I work nine to five, I got a wife and kids, and as soon as I put on my headset, I'm in war mode. It's a bit like weird, you know? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's just yeah. a bit weird. It is, isn't it? That's what I. And, and then it's like, how do you reconcile that? It's like it's like okay, they're on that game. They're playing war mode. They're like sweating bullets and shit. And then and then it's like. Honey, dinner's ready. It's like <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, yeah, you know. Yeah. That that's the that's the thing. So I don't know. And and look, I'm not going to paint paint with a wide brush here. I think that I think a toolkit really is a toolkit. It's 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 on a person by person basis. I think there are people listening here that aren't professionals that are going to get value from this and have that lock in mindset and take themselves seriously, have a trigger to kind of get in. But I don't think that's necessary. Is what I'm. That's my. That's my point. I don't really think it's necessary, but it doesn't mean it might not be useful for some people. That's my biggest kind of fear here. The other thing as well that I've sometimes see, like I think I had a conversation with my soul two members this week mm. about how he sort of like refuses to play if he doesn't feel like he's in that high intensity mode. Yeah. And then that's just the constant procrastination. And then we're not actually playing because he's in master tier. Like, but he sort of needs to get to the next level. It needs to be sometimes playing more than three games a day, I feel like. Mm. Um, and because he's sort of been stuck for a while. And we sort of just need to change something up. I said, mm. okay, well, let's let's get rid of that. Maybe that excuse is holding you back a little bit. And let's just play some, you know, not quote-unquote low-intensity games. But get don't, games in. Don't just think of this perfect... Like so, what? Yeah, you're level. absolutely spot on, Nathan. Here, because what I what I, okay. So what, remember what he said. He said, "I have a game where I'll drop a forty bomb, right? Kill four forty people, do a really good game. Then the next game, I might drop twelve kills. So I have an average game." But and he, he said that's overthinking that he said. But, but no, but he knows in the back of his mind that he is capable of replicating a forty kill game because he knows he has that skill. He knows he has the muscle memory and understanding and knowledge of the game to be a consistent. 
40 kill player, right? If for him, it's actually just a matter of mindset. The problem with the average player is that let's say they have a three block. One of those games, they quote unquote are in war mode and, and do really well. And they drop eight kills. They play force, they're great, not force, but like a really, really solid game of league. The next game, they're also in war mode, but then they go zero five. It's so, it's so hard for them to reconcile like, oh, was that because I wasn't in war mode properly? Or is that just my level of play? But for a professional like that, you can very clearly, for us, it's like us as well, we can very clearly identify what is genuinely our level of play and, and what isn't our level of play. Like, we're not confused if, like, we, go, we don't do well one game. We're able to walk away from them. Like, that's just my level of play. But the average person... They don't have that skill. They don't have that yeah, skill. Yeah. Like, you've got to be playing the game for a very, very long time and be a hardcore player, like, you know, obsess over the game and be a, or a borderline professional to understand how to differentiate between what is just a lack of lowered intensity versus your level of play. You know what I mean? Like it adds that, like you said, that layer of, like, of confusion. You're adding in another variable. But if, if, if every game is, all right, I'm going to go out there. I, I frame it in a different way. You know, we've got here, this is the intense, intense war mode. I view it completely different. I play my best League of Legends, I feel like sometimes when I'm in this really like, jo- not jovial, it's more of like a, I view myself as like an artist. I'm in like this state where I'm not judging what I'm doing. I'm trying to express my best self, but it's kind of like, I imagine like a painter on the rift and I'm like, I'm like doing a masterpiece, but there's no, it's not like this, it's not, there's no pressure. It's like, if I lose, I lose. doesn't mean I'm not trying, but I don't really give a shit whether I lose. It's like, I don't really, I'm not thinking about the result. I'm just in flow state. I'm in this like, uh, I'm going to go out there and show the world what I can do and show myself what I can do. But that's very different to warm, serious, like... It is different. It's yeah. just different. It's, it's similar, but it's different. At least for me, anyway. Have you gone through those times where you felt like, you know, not using... Mm. Just keep using nothing's analogy yeah. of, like, war mode. Like I, I actually, like, I, use, I feel like I've changed. Like, I feel like I, for me personally... I used to have that dominate your opponent mindset, like even making it personal. That was the early days of the BBC and yeah. the content that you mentioned. Like, I feel like it made me better. Like, cause it, it, it increased the stakes and it was like a way of artificially increasing the intensity, like the Michael Jordan making it personal. And I feel like at times when I'm able to take solo queue very seriously and put a lot of time and effort into it, it works. Cause I trust in my ability to do that. And like, it adds like a layer of intensity, but I feel like as I've, maybe changed. I feel like I have changed a lot over the past few years in terms of my overall philosophy of life. I've been way, I don't resonate with that at all. And when I do that, I don't play well. I, 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 when I think about other people, I just don't play well. Mm. And I actually know that for a fact. I'm not going to name names. There are people on, my ser- on the server right now that when I think about versing them, I don't play well. And I actually, I just don't, I'm just not in the expressing my best self mindset. So what about for you? I have, I like the physical, um, the cue, the physical cues. Like for me, mm. I, I still do think that like, I definitely be like, okay, I'm going to quote unquote, you know, go and warm out here and just be really focused. And I have physical things that I do. Mm. So specifically with my chair, like, you know, really good posture upright here, make sure my mouse and keyboard are in a really good location. Like I sort of do it on, on Counter-Strike, by the way, I like, I, okay. I edge my, uh, uh, keyboard angle, my keyboard a little bit. Um, just for the QW, um, ER. And then at, once the game goes in, like, you know, I'm tabbing, I'm instantly assessing my team comps and I'm just spamming all my F keys and just clicking really close to my character that I, again, I don't know what I would be calling that, but that's like me physical cues mm. to, 
be playing at my best. Right. But are you thinking like, I'm going to destroy this guy? Um, Because I agree. Uh, I totally with you on the physical stuff, but yeah. on the mental stuff, the like, mental you, side like what are you thinking? Are well, you so like- that helps me get into the mental side of thing. And my mental side of thing is just, yeah, just plain, beautiful League of Legends. Yeah, it's so not really you, about for that anymore. So have you tried to make it personal? Like, I'm going to destroy this guy? No, definitely not now, no. Because the way that I view, especially my gameplay, the way I play, especially because I play early game junglers, it's very much... And because jungle's not really a 1v1 in a way. You know, like, I'm not, yeah, like, trading not someone. not a 1v1, but you still... I'm still jungle tracking still and stuff like that. But, but I'm more, like, the way that I view the game is very much correct decision or wrong decision. Mm. you know like there's there's perfect league of legends still in my mind you know in, like, your mind. in like the way that i can see a game playing out so mm. i just have to execute and just be really i just have to be focused all the time dude for playing my games but that's what i i totally resonate with that but that's not making it personal right you're not like to just no, destroy I'm not making someone it personal. like so, yeah. it's about execution just execute mm. and just think about what's next and stuff like that but yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't think about any opponents at all at this point. Like, cause I, cause my, again, the way that I play is early game, like I need to know what I want to get and play the game my but way. But I, but I do think that this is a really great clip though, because I think for everyone watching, you do need to understand yourself and the way you tick and what gets you playing in a way that is, you know, what's the, the most beautiful League of Legends that you can play? What's, how do you need to think? Do you have physical cues like Nathan? Do you need to be doing something before the game? Do you need to be thinking in a particular way? I don't know. Everyone, again, I, I don't think, I think this is purely personal on a case-by-case yeah. basis, you know? Yeah, I don't really know my mindset, honestly. Like, I mean, I've actually been playing a lot of solo queue recently. I took a lot of break, sort of, and just this last last week, we sort of hmm. had a conversation, so we yeah. get back to playing solo Yeah, we both were doing rusty. a lot of content with our other programs, so we both got back on the rift and a bit. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe I go through different phases. I mean, I definitely have been in phases where, like, I've, like, sit there, and, like, before my, my pre-game ritual, like, I'll go over, like, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan clips, because I've been queued for, like, 20 mm. minutes. Mm. And then I'm dominating my opponent. Yeah, I have. I mean, I have 100% yeah, done, done that. that. I have yeah. done that. And that actually been very successful for me. But nowadays, I mean, who knows? Maybe I need to actually go back to that. Maybe now that I'm thinking now, maybe yeah. I need to get back to just hyping myself up. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. It's very interesting. I, when I saw this clip, I actually really resonated with what Nothing said. I love that that analogy of like, it's war mode time. You know, mm. like it's, it's time to, it's not just like, I'm just jumping on my League of Legends, my computer. I'm just going to have a good three block. It's like, okay, I'm going to mm. really focus here and mm. figure this shit out and play really good League of Legends. You know, just following on from that, one more topic before we get into Curtis's clips is, I've been watching a lot of Chovy recently and, 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 and actually a lot of other um, high level uh, one tricks on other servers. Just I just like getting inspired and learning more about champs, right? And Chovy, um, I love it because he has his streams, right? He has his, his, his streams. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I want to mention it again because I think it's incredibly important. There are levels to VOD watching, just like there's levels to film watching. Like when you, when you can watch a film and just completely check out, and you're like roughly following the plot, but you're not analyzing the cinematography. You're not really analyzing how the characters are feeling. Mm. Like you can casually watch a movie and you can casually watch a VOD, 
right? If anyone's out there who's into film, like, you know, you would know you can nerd out and be like, oh yeah, the, the, the light and the dark here represent that. And there's a reason why he's so small in the corner here. And like, you can, you can go and in. What's the, this, the message of the movie? What is this, uh, foreshadowing in the future? Yeah. What are the metaphors here that they're exploring? You can go an infinite amount of depth when it comes to film, right? Well, good film. It's the same with, with watching VODs and, you know, Right now, I'm extremely capped out in my league vocabulary. There are things that Trovi does that I, I don't have the words to describe. Um, again, the the close, like he has this level of po- poise is not, is the poise is the closest word that I can describe, but it's more than poise. It's like this, it's like this state of just beautiful, it's beautiful movement and full control of the character, like full 100% control. Like there's, there is no latency between the character and his, his, and his mind. It's like, he is that champion and he knows exactly what to do. And when you watch him play, like even CSing, when you watch him CS, I am like, you would think that as a challenger player, your CSing would be good. My CSing is not even any re- remotely close to Trophy's level. Like it's it's incredible how good his CSing is. Like the levels he's got to the game is mind-boggling. But you can't see this until you watch with intent. And I pose an experiment, and it's the same would would apply for every role in any role with any amazing player. Really put yourself in their situation because I'm sure all of you out there have entered a, a matchup or entered a lane phase where you where you're overwhelmed and you're like you say a classic El Clasico, Syndra versus Cassio, very skill shot oriented matchup. It can go both ways depending on how how good you are at hitting your skill shots, etc. Right? Cassio Q, Syndra Q E, when do you E? Do you hold E for threat? There's it's very, very mechanically demanding and on a it takes a massive toll on your mental stack, right? You know, when I watch them play, it almost feels like they have they're that they're able to play it how I, I I visualize myself playing it, you know? And when you sit there pretending you're Chovy, it's like you get so much more out of it. And what I do, I actually, uh, at the moment, what I've been doing is just, I just copy him. Like I don't, half the time, I don't understand really what he's doing, but sometimes I'll just copy it. I'm like, I'm just going to pretend I'm Chovy just with the way I'm moving, this level of poise. And it's, it's in the movement. It's honestly in the movement. And there is something to just blindly copying and emulating and visualizing and pretending you're that person that there's a level of learning that I can't, I can't get across in my coaching sessions. And it's something that I even, I can't, I don't have the vocabulary to teach. Yeah. And maybe one day there will be, but for now, the closest thing I can do is recommend people like literally put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. The way you describe that, because you're so excited about that. Yeah. That getting that level of excitement across for other people I think is a little bit difficult like I get obsessed like let's say there's like a dragon pit fight right Mm. and like I see um, even even some of my coaching clients like my high yellow players but even if I watch pro players like you know like you know with your movement you like you know you cut toward the edge of a wall to create more space and it forces them to walk Mm. forward like gank execution for like you know the the you know like really good pro players like that's little detailed stuff is just game changingly impact like even if let's say that person's gonna die the fact that they're able to like do a little bit more damage here yeah um like they're insane. min-maxing to the, the the craziest degree oh god i should we should actually i can't remember what it was i think it was one of the msi games um oh, we'll do maybe do this for curtis's mm. clips next week but mm. 
the the execution of these tower dives, like there was like one tower dive and then another tower dive. And I was like from, from I think it was T1 and then mm. it was from JDG or something mm. like that. And both were just executed like, like, like floor, like, <laughs> like floors. Like I've never seen, I actually have never seen that even in a solo game. Yeah, like yeah. even just once, perfect. like it, pixel perfect, yeah. like Tara Agro yeah. and damage output ability. That is unbelievably incredible. Mm. And I know what you're talking yeah. about. I know what it feels like. I was watching, I was like, holy shit, I want to do this in Curtis's clips. Because yeah. Guys, this is what pro players do. This is what the best players like. We need to realize we're not even close to this. We this is what we're aspira- aspiring. And, and to when you when you really internalize that, when you truly respect and get into the and like, there is the respect for the game that is required to, to, from the viewer to actually get value from watching these vods. Like straight up, that's just a fact. Hmm. Like if you don't respect the difficulty of the game and the mental stack, the toll, what's going on in in that game in that moment, like. You're just scratching the surface. Like anyone can sit there and again check out and watch. Again, the movie analogy is the closest one I have. You can sit there and be like, "Oh yeah, well played, nice dive." But just look at it from their perspective. Like, fuck, it's it's so cool. It's mm. so cool, and that's what is so exciting about the highest, highest, highest level of of compared. We're not into esports really, but we love the highest level of play. Like you watch the best team in China versus the best team in, team in Korea and you really analyze their decisions and like the way they're moving. That is incredibly exciting League of Legends because everyone is competent, extremely competent, you know, very, very exciting. But yeah, you're right. There's that level of passion and you got to really want to look at it. It's like nerdy. It is nerdy. It's, it's like nerdy in a way. You know, like we're nerdy about... It's like anyone nerdy who's like... Out. Let's say someone who's like nerdy about F1. We watch F1. We're not nerdy about From it. We don't, we don't really care too much about like the intricacies of the car. Like, no. you know, and like, like let's say... If the way they hardcore, enter a corner and take the foot off the accelerator at the perfect time. I mean, that stuff's pretty cool. Like, yeah. we will get into that. But let's say it was like the intricacies of like the car design and that sort of mm. stuff. Like, we're like, yeah, we're not that hardcore F1 fan. So, again, just sort of demonstrating like, our level of excitement for it. Is, right. Uh, this is level. This is a, this is obsession. You know? <laughs> this is obsession. <laughs> yes. This is the next. Jiro Jin essentially talk about sushi, like a sushi yeah. chef. Like there could be a sushi. It's pretty good sushi chef, hmm. but he doesn't spend ten years making rice. You know. But I feel like that's rice. like the joy. I feel like that's the most joy it's joyous fun. thing in life, isn't yeah. it? Like when you're really getting nerding out onto the details of whatever it is you're passionate about. You know, it's I feel like that's so satisfying. Yeah. It's like you know people like uh, you know like those conventions and stuff like that. People like. You know, make fun of like yeah. people like let's say Star Wars. Someone goes like everything about the Star Wars universe. Like, dude, that is awesome. Like, yeah, you know no, what the I mean? funny. The last thing I was saying before we move on, I was nerding out massively. I think I, I replayed this one wave that Chovy CS under Tower as Ari into an Arkshan. And I, and I what I did I paused it and again I I like to do this like pause and visualize like how would I I would I'm like I would have used my Q one hundred percent. Like I would have queued there and those minions and then just to watch him not do that and proceed to get every single minion under the tower when I would have missed at least like three or four. It's like, that is the difference. He's entering the mid game at 127 CS by 11 minutes and I'm on 80. Hmm. And then that that gets him strong enough to win that fight that I would have lost. Yeah, that could have won the game. That's it. It's that's it. it is. It's like, and that's just CSing. Yeah. That's just fucking CSing. Like... You know, like, it's crazy. And, th- and to see us like that, it's incredible. Like, to see us that accurate, that consistently, like, we're talking about CSing here. All right, Curtis, you've talked about Trophy <laughs> CSing for, like, 10 last 15 minutes. We get it. He's really good it. at CSing. Um, anyway, that's that. So, check it out, really. Check it out. All right. Um, Curtis's clips time. What's my segue again? Let's get into the details, guys. 
And welcome everyone to Curtis's Clip Corner. Nice, short, sharp, and concise Curtis's clip here today um, from a Talon VOD that I did this morning. Essentially, there was a, uh, a river fight, dragon fight here. He's playing Talon. Now, I'm just going to freeze frame right here. Essentially, he is a level 6 Talon with ulti. He's got Dirk. He sees the cane on the on the dragon at about a, a 1k HP. He, sa- he thinks to himself, okay... Kane's kind of like low, Dragon's low. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to try and kill this Kane, right? So he goes in, dumps his entire combo. Kane just lives and, you know, he doesn't really get anything. Doesn't kill the Kane. I think he tries to switch targets here and then so be it, right? And, you know, the first thing he said was like, oh yeah, this was a, he said like, this is a bad mistake. I, I shouldn't have gone on Kane, um, so on and so forth, right? And I said, no. I said, that is a very stock standard good decision. And the reason being is that you don't know what you don't know. Sure. In hindsight, yeah, of course. He we, got away. He <laughs> got away. You shouldn't have done that. He survived on 50 HP. You should have known that. Well, at the end of the day, League is a game that you got to know your limits intuitively. Okay, and this is tying back beautifully to that Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong interview where, you know, you got to be willing to fail boldly and just take away learnings from it. And at the end of the day, if you don't push your limits and see what your limits are, you're never going to know. So let's say hypothetically here, you know, he he gets to the wall here and he's like, "Mm, I don't know if I can kill him. So I'm actually, you know, you hesitate. He misses the window and gets nothing anyway. You don't get the learning of whether or not you could have killed him. You miss all the other opportunities anyway. What is, there's nothing to take away, right? At least here we learn intuitively, okay, you just don't have the damage, just quite the damage with this setup with the first strike because he's used to playing. And the reason why, he doesn't play first strike Talon that much. Ah. He plays electrocuting Knight a lot. He doesn't have Ignite and he doesn't have, um, doesn't have Electro. I'm like, well, yeah, if you had Electro, you probably would have killed him. Oh, he's 100% dead there, 100%. Yep, and he didn't have Ignite. I'm like, cool, great learning. You learned a little bit more about first strike damage output. Great. This is not a bad mistake. This, this is, is awesome. a great mistake. Yeah. In fact, and this I wouldn't even really call it a mistake. I think it's a it's a really good decision in my opinion, and you learned a lot from it. And so basically, what I wanted to get across here is, and and just to kind of flow from this, he actually got tilted at himself. This game, Ooh. a similar thing happened around two or three times. This game where his limits weren't really good. I think he tried to kill an Arkshan like two or three times. Um, and died in the process of doing so. And every time I asked him, like, did you genuinely think you could kill him? He's like, yeah, I thought I could kill. I'm like, well, then what are you, what are you, what are you upset about? There's nothing to be upset here about. Why the hell are you getting tilted? He's like, oh, I just felt really bad heading into mid game. I knew I made so many mistakes. I'm like, well, are they really mistakes if you didn't know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that even a mistake? I mean, yeah, you could objectively say it wasn't the best decision, you should have known your limits. But is it a mistake if you don't know what you don't know? It's not really a mistake. No. It's just that is the best decision yep. for your learning. Yeah, that's, that's the great thing about these type of situations. You, you know, there was no hesitation here. You thought this was the best decision at the given time. That's right. That is the best way for you to learn. Because that's then right. you can think, about, okay, what did I miss? And then, yeah, clearly, big picture, as you just yeah. mentioned, we don't know our damage limits with, uh, with first, first strike. strike and no ignite. Yeah. That's really it. You walk away from the game, then great. I've learned, I've developed my limits a little bit better, yeah. and you move on. I didn't even, like you were playing that clip, but I'm like, 
I didn't even know there was anything wrong. It was like, that's all. I'm going like every single time. Yeah. I, I don't play Talon. Yeah. 100% I'm going on that too. Like, this guy's kill this guy on the dragon. It's a legal activity. So, you know, and so, and I, I'm like, I felt really concerned that he was getting tilted from these quality, these mistakes. I'm like, dude, you shouldn't be, you should be rewarding yourself. This is good quality stuff. This is, we're getting great learning here. This is exactly the sort of behavior that I would want to see from a client because if you do this with reviews, with intention, play with intensity, that is how you get better at League of Legends. Facts right there. And so for anyone out there that sees themselves or beats themselves up for making decisions like this with intention, with intensity, that's, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. So that's it really. Love it. Moving right. on. Mailbag time. Away we go. Alrighty then, our first question here comes from Jordan. The title of this email is Struggling to Commit to a Role. It's a very, would you say, a very, uh, if you're going to have like a an FAQ of League of Legends, Curtis, this is probably a... It's up there. It's up there. Hey guys, I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and I've been binging your content as it really resonates with me. I've played League since around Season 5, but mostly as a secondary game. I was a semi-CSGO player, semi-pro CSGO player, for a majority of my LOL playtime, but decided a couple of years ago that my passion for Counter-Strike had waned and playing it as a job was only making me hate the game. I love so much, so I switched to playing League more seriously. By the time I started playing ranked around season seven, I quickly got to gold every season to get the Victoria skin, but had no motivation to play ranked past that. I've decided now I miss having the competitive spark and I want to try my hand at really climbing the season. I've always been a jungler in ranked despite playing mostly mid and 80 carry with friends, which was the majority of my games. I enjoy playing mid more, but I'm undoubtedly a better jungler. I have kept my champions quite narrow for all my roles so as to not overextend it, but from playing ARAM, I have a decent understanding of what champions I like. And that leads me to a, to a crossroads where I feel like I need to pick a role to main so I can really knuckle down and grind. Just wanted to know what you guys think. Do I stick with the role that has worked for me in the past, jungle, or pursue the role that I enjoy more? I'm currently at goal four with a 54% win rate over 80 games. This has definitely been skewed down by the constant switching of roles. My friends who are all around Platinum Diamond say I should probably be high plat, but I'm of the opinion that low to mid gold is where I deserve and where I'll most likely stay if I don't just pick a role and master it. Additional context if you need it, my main champions for jungle are Gragas, Kane, and Jax, and my main champions for mid are Gragas, Yasuo, and Silas. And he says he really likes Gragas. I feel like I'm mechanically proficient at all of these champions, but I mainly play them because I enjoy them. I usually have good map presence on either role with good objective control and kill participation in the jungle and good wave management, CS numbers and roaming in the mid lane. Thanks in advance if you read this. Okay. Well, this is where me and you usually part ways, right? But That's right. <clears throat> I'm actually going to... I already... You know, well, Without putting words in your mouth, I'm assuming you're leading towards... Yep. Stick with what you're best at. That's stick what with what you're best say. at because then you feel like that's going to give them confidence. And they will get more excitement. The and you just be enjoy the game more rather than learning something from scratch sort of again. I'm actually going to agree with you. And the only reason is that he loves Gragas. Gragas actually is a good mid laner, um, funnily enough. I don't know if it will last as a good mid laner. But yeah, it is a pretty good mid laner. And, but I think that if you fundamentally enjoy Gragas... 
stick to jungle. I think just with the champs that he was talking about, he seems like more of a jungle player. Just because he enjoys playing mid, I think that he would probably enjoy taking that Gragas mastery to a whole new level. And that's just better suited for jungle. So I'm going to go ahead and just say jungle. You like Gragas, suits the role more. Um, you're better at it now. I think that's a sign that something's there for you. Um, so yeah, I would say jungle straight up. Sort of a, um, I just want to mention here, talking about, you know, narratives and our case mm. studies, like sort of red flag here. You know, he says, I usually have good map presence on either role with good objective control and kill participation in the jungle, good wave management, CS numbers and roaming the mid lane. No, you don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like settle right. down here. Don't yeah. be using those words. You know, like I think yeah. like, you know, you might, you know, like, cause again, it's sort of just like putting a cap. It's like, you're saying like, let's say if I was to do a review session with you, be like, you know, I've like pretty good map presence. Like I've good object, like kill participation. It's like, get into the details, dude. What does it mean? Like clearly there's some big things we're missing here in the gameplay. And, I wouldn't be like, you know, the curiosity mindset mm. we're saying, if I was writing this email, I would never be you mentioning those words. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel have, like you ever, a, have you ever like, <laughs> just straight out, have you ever um, said as a compliment, they have good map presence? I've, I've never used those I've words. I've never no. used what, that word. That? What's map presence mean? Means they're like they're on the map. No, because like they know how to impact the map. No, maybe? because there's good decisions and correct decisions. Like something's either gankable or not. Like yeah, that. That's what not does even that mean? A, it's not even in my vocabulary. Uh, yeah, for neither. Coaching, I, or even for mid, I, I yeah. don't know what good map presence is. I think they mean high kill participation. Right. Like I, I've never looked at a player, and I've I've never looked at a player and looked at their 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 kill participation and be like gosh darn it they must be a good player that's you right know? like i don't ever look no. at that okay it's interesting now you know talking about there what that sort of description of that last paragraph mm. is more saying to me is like he's valuing these things as like mm. important skills and right. not like missing what actually he should be focusing yeah. on yeah well what it really is is that he doesn't have a great understanding of what the fundamental what the true fundamentals are of league of legends yet and his friends are probably being like yeah you really know how to gank really well you know how to play around dragons really well and and you have you're not dying that much so you know you've got a great kda so those things mean you're a pretty good player that's why you should be high plat you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like which is just complete hogwash. in isolation you can look at a plane like this guy's but if you got to look consistently over a long period of this is the blind leading the blind really yeah unfortunately um, the next thing I'll mention as well here, Curtis, is that, yeah. you know, talking about, you know, my recommendation for gold players with Gragas yeah. fits in the category of, you know, Tough. to win games with Gragas consistently. Like, at the end of the day, you can only kill one person, right, with your combo. I mean, you can do a lot of damage in terms of AoE and stuff like Gragas that. Gragas is such a versatile He's, skirmisher. It's just too many, it's just too hard to learn the game with this champion because there's too many reference points and too many... Look, it's not that you can... Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard, yeah. It's harder than it has to be. It's harder than it has to be. Like, you know, there's, okay, there's one fundamental concept about Gragas that even to this day, I don't know how to teach. I'd love to see how you teach this, right? Champions like Gragas can peel two differing ways, okay? You can peel by separating the back line from the front line, right? So let's visualize you've got a vol enemy Volibear jungle diving on your AD carry, and then he dives forward. You can R the back line to separate the fight. So then you've got the back line not really being able to follow up on the front line. Or you can throw the R on the front on the front line to to get the front line off of the AD carry. Mm. That concept is so hard 
to teach in terms of what the optimal R placement is because some situations it will be correct to just throw that R on top of your AD carry and get that jacks off the AD carry. And sometimes you're better off just completely splitting the fight. Have you ever like discussed that concept? I don't really go into that, no. Right. Because that's... I mean, maybe that's something... Because I don't really play much Gragas. If I, I feel like if it was a Gragas player, I could get really in-depth and yeah. probably explain what it feels... Because I need to know what it feels like to explain exactly. it. But I don't play it enough. So right. I'll just focus on other jungle fundamentals yeah. in a Gragas yeah. game. Because when it comes to skirmishing, I get, you get into the nitty-gritty. It's it There's so messy, many options yeah. with what you can do with Gragas. I'm not sure if there's a good take. Yeah, it's like, I, Honestly, though, if you were to go down the Gragas rabbit hole, what, what I would suggest personally is you stick to like an identity. Because there are many identities of Gragas. Like there is... Like there's Leandre's, there's Everfrost, there's like, there's so many different styles, like AP damage, more tank oriented, like there's so many different styles. You can be in the mindset of being like, okay, I'm a pure facilitator and I'm there to make my AD carry do as much damage as possible versus, and facilitate other carries versus I am one of the key damage dealers and I want to be more focused on doing damage. I actually think both can work. And I would actually say, go so far to say, all in on a style, all in on an identity, all in on one way of interpreting Gragas' identity. Even though that will not be sustainable in the long run, at least for the short term to getting you to plat, I think that'd be a much more reliable way of going about it. You see what I mean? Hmm? Yep. I think that's probably the way to go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, just, uh, yeah. I mean, he says he loves Gragas the most, so it's we're sort of just like, you know, again, I'm sort of recommending to mm. sort of not, you know, because again, I think it's just really hard to figure out why you're losing Kane, what do you think about Kane? Kane's, yeah, Kane's in my carry academy. Jungler. Yeah, he, he can definitely carry a jungler for sure. Mm. Um, and then Jack's jungle just and Jack's jungle get it out of there. a bit unique, yeah. I mean, it sort of popped up to meta a bit about, mm. you, you know, but I would say overall, I think it's more of like a fad type thing. Like, I think it's just better in the top lane. Agreed. So, yeah. Maybe be your OTP Kane. Yeah. That could work. Just keep it really simple and just all in on Kane. It would probably be my actual rank recommendation based on the information you're giving me. Uh, but yeah, the bigger thing here I like to par- to note was that last sort of sentence he said. I think there's some some sort of hidden things in there. You know, mm. it's not as simple as like mm. um, just saying those things. Keep us updated either way. All right, our next question comes here from Infinity Soul. Title of this email is not going into games with goals. Hello, Curtis. I would like to expand. I would like you to expand on a topic you brought a while back on a podcast. Not having in-game goals, keeping these goals only for the review. That is something I cannot understand. If you want to improve at a skill, you have to repeat it with intention. Let's say last hitting. How can I improve at last hitting if I don't go in-game with the intention to last hit? Or is only looking at my replays at thinking about those minions I failed to last hit enough to improve at this skill? Is he referring to that podcast episode where... There's in and out of game learning objectives. Yeah. I don't know what you do with your learning objectives, but for me, I am I have in and game and out of game. Sometimes I'll set a bit of both. I don't really categorize them. Okay. Yeah, so at least I for me, I, 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 I kind of separate them a bit and, and I emphasize out of game learning objectives a lot more because I don't want to impede the mental stack. I need, I need an analogy. I need another, like another medium here to describe this. Um, okay, th- this is the the one I use. It's a bit scuffed, but I think it gets across the point. Le- okay, so let's say you're a a, ch- a child, you're a baby, in fact, maybe a, a very young young baby slash toddler, and you, uh, you know, you're 
you're learning how to kind of like balance. It's not like you're trying to learn. Okay, that's actually okay. Well, <laughs> here we go, girls. We say that we like to get carried away with analogies. <laughs> well, let's use a different one. Okay, sure, uh, okay. Right, take two. Try take again. two. Yeah. Okay. So this let's go. We, we, we can be here all day, girls. Let's find the analogy. Yeah, we'll take a, we can just go through a few. Um, you know, when when we learn uh, a lot around like um, what our like, especially around balance and threat in real life, like dangerous situations. We don't, we, we typically don't learn by actively putting ourselves in that situation and then experience it over and over again and actively think about it. We kind of learn tacitly, intuitively, like, because we're like attuned to, it's like, it's like something in our peripheral, in our intuition. An example would be, okay, when we walk down a steep set of stairs, okay, say you're in a subway and there's a steep set of stairs we don't. We didn't actively focus when we were younger on like, okay, Curtis, here's a steep set of stairs. We're gonna really focus on this today. Have to like learn how to skill. And, yeah. and 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 now okay. you're gonna to have to hold that rail and be careful. Watch if you you know like, yeah sure. Like your parents would have given you things like okay, this is steep. Be careful. But it's not like we focused on that. It's we learned how to balance and walk down a steep set of stairs from a lot of other intuitive experiences over our lifetime of like balance of balance that's right and and so mm. one of the core what is the, that's the analogy i use when it comes to threat assessment a lot of decisions in league are feel based like damage apple we don't calculate damage in league logically we calculate damage intuitively so when you're when we're talking about learning an intuitive skill i don't believe in learning it by actively quote unquote focusing on it i learn by making sense of it in hindsight by observation consolidating that feeling with observing it in hindsight and then rinse repeating getting repetitions in like like it's it's kind of like riding a skateboard when i learned like how to skateboard as a kid it's you know i did actively kind of like focus it but i didn't learn anything specifically just like get on it and just try your best and then like you just pick it up you know what i mean like that's how i intuit like a lot of concepts in league of legends because and the reason i do i believe this a lot when it comes to league is that we if we were to focus or direct a lot of our mental stack towards one thing that's going to impede everything else and then everything's being going to get worse and then you just confuse yourself that's kind of like my experience. And I personally have never had success actively like f- like thinking about something in game and then learning it that way. That's not how I learn. And, and, I, and if I can't learn like that, how can I expect other people to learn like that? And I haven't seen... And actually, this is just a fact. Early in my program, when I would set in-game learning objectives, people got worse. People straight up got worse and it didn't work. So I changed my methodology out of out of necessity because it simply didn't work. And then it got me thinking, well, how did I learn this skill in League of Legends? Oh yeah, I didn't do that either. So why the fuck am I recommending it if I didn't do that? And so we got into it and we realized that yes, there are certain things you can occupy your mental stack with, with like lol say usage, for example. But a lot of other concepts in League of Legends, like CSing, if you think, okay, I'm going to go in and really think about my CSing and stuff. It's like in a game of solo queue, it's just not going to work. Now the caveat to this is that when it if you can if you're in a scenario where you can isolate that skill 
in a 1v1, then that's different because you can drill that. Anything that's drillable and isolatable, yes, you can occupy your mental stat because there's no other burden. Like It's like, yeah, sure, I, I don't have any jungle awareness anymore. I have no awareness of my way state. I don't know what the, where the fuck the enemy person is, but that doesn't matter because I'm in a 1v1 and I'm going to die and I can just restart the game. You see what I mean? So can we use some of the examples uh, how that applies to the situation that I mentioned with my clients? Mm. So let's do... Mm. The um the Chandler Hecarim E usage going from gold four to right, gold one. Right. So they were saying that's an isolated skill. Right. That was a little, I said I typed a learning objective. Focus on being more patient with E. You know, don't hold E. Start with R in fights. Right. Yeah. So and then Samuli Wukong. I mean, we sort of did the general mm. game plan stuff like that, but learn how to full combo. How to use your W. Yeah. So let's get specific. So how did that person specifically learn that? Did they kind of go around and fuck around, play kind of like they normally do, but then review all their E's to say, oh yeah, that was what Nathan said. I should have done that. Or did they literally come into the game thinking, I need to work on my E's. Everything, a lot of other things get worse. And then that's how they learned. Like how specifically, what did they do? Um, well, I'm not sure. I would have to ask them. That's my, that's my point. Like in, in my, ex at least for my clients and my experience, when I say focus on one thing, it just doesn't work because again, their mental state. So I'll give you an example. If, let's say I, I say to a client, okay, you're playing Syndra. I want to, I want you to work on your, your E usage and, you know, trying to do this specific iteration of your E. If they are coming into the lane phase thinking about the E all the time, they're going to die to a jungle gank. They're going to fuck up a wave state. And they die to a jungle gank, and then what? I can't focus on my E's because I can't, I can't survive the lane phase anymore. You see what I mean? Like, that's what typically happens. And then they just say, oh, Curtis, this thing is not working, blah, blah, blah. So, sure, things that can be isolated in a 1v1, if they go with a 1v1 and they can drill that in a 1v1 or in a practice tool, that's a different story. But when it comes to things that... In solo queue, I don't... Mm. Solo queue is for execution. Mm. Solo queue is for execution, at least for my philosophy. Like, so when you're playing in the game. And That's right. Through, through the it's learnings just, and the review. Because, yeah, you, sure, you're fixed. You might be temporarily... You might be theoretically fixing one problem, but then you're creating other problems as well. That's my yeah. that's my hypothesis. Yeah. Because, yeah, as in the Infinity Soul guy here says, he's saying that... How can I improve last hitting if I don't go in the game and thinking about his last hits? Okay, so last hitting is a, is actually not a good learning objective. So last hitting is actually a skill that's made up of a lot of other things. Yeah, there's a lot of those things that branch off on that one. Right, yeah. so last hitting, if you think about like good quality last hitting, there's like layering minions. There is um, like making sure you're you're seeing which minion is getting targeted by your minions and by what type of minions. For example, like casters do more damage than melees, right? So if you see, and, and, and melees are tankier than casters. So if you see all casters about to hit another caster, you know that you probably might need to use an ability or be really focused on getting that caster because it's going to die really fucking fast. But if all the casters are hitting a melee, for example, then like you might have a little bit more time filling out the rhythm and way waves are dying understanding how minion aggro changes when you hit the enemy there's like there's like individual skills that make up really beautiful last hitting when it comes to last hitting that is actually one of the few things in the game that you can actually drill in 1v1s again that's never a learning objective that i would set in game in solo queue unless in game for 1v1s you can do that and but then if i were to set a learning objective it'd be one thing like okay i want you to focus specifically in 1v1s on layering your minions now, if someone didn't want to do 1v1s and they say what they wanted to get better at layering minions, then what I would say is in the review, when you're going over your early lane, look at the moments where you should have layered the minions. Like, like look at it 
identify it, visualize it, what you should have done, why, and then move on. Then you, you will intuitively get a little bit better at that. I believe. And that's how I've worked. That's how I've climbed. That's how I've gotten better at the game. And that's how the people that I've had, a lot of people have had success in my clients in my program have typically had results as well. And um, yeah, so I, I don't really know. I, again, this is my hypothesis. I don't really have all the answers here. I'm just, from my experiences in the MLA, that's kind of what I've observed so far. But as for your Hecarim E guy, this is where I think we might, again, let, let's get into it. The complexity of this problem. This is where jungle versus mid lane really, I think, differentiates. In jungle, in my opinion, there's a lot less. You're not occupied by something in front of your face immediately. You're immediately like like a lot of the time, right? With a, with a jungle, you're clearing your camps. Now, it doesn't mean you're not processing information, but you're you're not having to think or interact with any person in front of you. So everything that you're interacting with is just already pre-coded. It's drillable. It's like muscle memory. So it's like, I just fucking cue this. The, the, the Raptors are going to get pulled out. You, there's no thinking involved. So your mental stack is freed up to think about other things. You're not having to react to something that's like directly in front of your character now. When minions in lane, it's real-time changing every millisecond. I guess the difference with... Again, those situations with jungle was okay. You know, let's say you do the cleave reboot and mm. that muscle mm. and stuff like that. There's only a couple of moments like these are like we don't have many fighting moments with jungle, right? So it's like, yeah, because if I review like a full combo with Wukong, there's only three or four of them happening in the game, right? Hecarim E usage, there's probably only three or four situations that we could possibly even review. So it's way easier to focus on way something easier. like that in the game itself. In, even in the game, because yeah. you're not you're it's not like having to do that every single wave or mm. every single fucking five seconds, right? It's like okay, it's gonna be a five and a full clear up. Here we go. This is the big five. Boom. Yeah, yeah, again, right. it happens four times in yeah. the game. In four times in right. the span of the thing, basically. And then also on top of that, like I said, you genuinely have, in my opinion, you would have more of your mental stack available to actively direct it, put it onto the the E without sabotaging your game holistically, mm. right? So yeah, sure, you might now be thinking a little bit less about win conditions or maybe a little bit less about wave state or a little bit less about whatever. Golding inventory. Golding, yeah, sure, but that's not super detrimental to the game holistically. Whereas like as a mid, you lose focus for like, three, four seconds in lane, then you, you lose track of the jungle. You, you're, you're like not warding. Your waist is messed up. Done. You're dead. You're literally dead. Very interesting. So like, very interesting topic. What, yeah. And so this is where I feel like, again, it might be, maybe this doesn't apply to jungle as much as it does. Or maybe it's a champ, champ, champ by champ, champ basis, role, right, role basis. It could be learning objective basis as well. Some, yeah. uh, you actually can focus on in the game in the moment. And some have to be done outside of the game. Yeah. And maybe, maybe even in, in, in mid, maybe there are champions that exist that you can have because it's so rare. It's like, okay, okay. I'll give one that I think it is actually... And, I actually, by the way, straight up did this as an in-game learning objective. I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here with ASOL. I actively did focus on on valuing my empowered R. Now, to be fair, it was a it was a combination of both. Because empowered R's are so rare in, on ASOL, again, you only get a few a game because you got to charge it up, right? You get all the Stardust and then you use all the Stardust. So again, you're probably only getting three or four Empowered R's a game. Um, I was able to really think about my Empowered R usage. Oh, is this the best way to use my Empowered R? I was like, I was like trying to train my mind to really be conscious about should I be using my Empowered R in this moment rather than just fucking throwing it out, right? So I was thinking about that in game 
when the moment ar- arose, but I was also reviewing it after the game. It was kind of like an in in out of game kind of scenario. But I would would never think about that for like ultimates or abilities that I would have to use on a constant basis, you know? So, you know, again, this gets complicated. It is very complicated. It's very, very complicated. And this is where, again, I think what this podcast... This is the limitations, I feel like, of content at scale. Because ultimately, every client... and We got to get into the details. That's right. I mean, that's what your shirt's all about. This is what the BBC is all about. Like... With that client, depending on where he's at in his journey, with the role he plays and the champ he plays and his current level of play and maybe what he's ten- maybe he might not. I live literally probably personality types. Where I'm like, this guy has a tendency to overcomplicate the game. He's actually uh, you know maybe more of a Reddit analyst. He needs to really be more feel oriented. I would never set that as a learning objective. Whereas maybe someone who has maybe the true feel oriented, I need them to think more about the game. Maybe I would give them maybe a more of a cerebral learning objective something to think about in game you know what I mean like and you have the opposite out- people that overthink things too yeah. much and they need to stop thinking and That's just right. get just, just play, play. Yeah. so like this is where I feel like again coaching it really is tailored to the client that we're working with and we have to consider that as well so there are limitations to what advice we can can and can't give on this podcast and in our YouTube content mm. and that's just the reality I mean, you know, coaching is important for that reason um, so this is probably you know it's not signed, sealed, delivered as a as a concept, but I, I think it's something we need to explore. Um, but in its current state, I am more of the mind of being very cautious setting in-game learning objectives outside of lol state usage. That's where I'm currently at anyway in my journey. Um, yeah, which is very interesting. Well, I think that was a good discussion. I think our battery is going to die in a moment, so we'll end the podcast there. Mm. Uh, any final housekeeping, Scotus? Um, See, man, we're just chipping away. Chipping away. Another another week of the BBC podcast. Another um, week in the books. The split split one's finishing soon. I think it's about 30-something days, 40 days, something like that. Yep. So we'll rank towards. We'll panic, come. engage. Everyone panic. Run around. Headless <laughs> chickens, everyone. Put your arms in the air. Gotta scream. get that rank. This is it. It's the end. This is the last split of ever. League's disappearing after this. I appreciate the sarcasm there, Curtis. Long-term mindset here at the Broken My Concept podcast. Good work, guys. Let's keep on improving. We'll see you guys next time.